It's just past 7 o'clock, and here we go. Time for Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, live and ready to go in the studio. And Ira, Super Bowl has been decided. It took, um, you know, what, 19 weeks or so, 20 weeks. We found... I would say the best team in each conference here, and we're going to have a match set up between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't like the Eagles. I don't like the Chiefs. I this or that." I don't like the Eagles, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I sort of like the Chiefs. I like their story. I like Mahomes. I, it's hard to like the Eagles unless you're in Philadelphia. But I'm excited for this game. Like I'm excited for all these games. I think this is great. The, the best two best teams playing. I, I'm ready. Bring two dynamic on. quarterbacks. We're, we're going to see. Hopefully, high flying offense. I would think to the storylines. You have brothers, the Kelsey brothers, yes. star player. We've seen brothers in games. How about the star offensive lineman on one team and the star tight end on the other team? Andy Reid in Philadelphia could win the Super Bowl, driven out of Super Bowl. If he loses this in the time he's won, he's won one in Philadelphia. Would what I'm two. So yeah. you have that storyline. It's great. It's it's all it's it's just phenomenal. The whole storyline. Normally we start the show off with where have you been, but I'm going to put that on hold for a minute because I, I like this this story this week um, at Ira on. Anywhere on social media you can find Ira. Got some great videos, and we'll talk more about where the videos are from coming up in a second. But Ira, at 7.35, Scott Mayer is going to join us. And maybe not a household name, but this is someone that, if you have any affiliation with hockey, he's a bigwig. Yeah, he's the content head of the events for the NHL, so he's running the All-Star Game. He runs the Winter Classics. He runs those things. He's one of the top executives of the NHL. It's great to have him on the show. I mean, we have the uh, All-Star Game here in South Florida, just a, a half an hour from the station right now, so I can't... It's going to be exciting all week. Hopefully, we're going to get down to see some of the players and we get some good interviews. Um, and this is... I'm pumped to have this, the All-Star Game here in the sunrise. So, Ira, you know, we always start the show with where, where have you been? And you texted me that I didn't get a ticket. And I'm thinking, uh, are you, well, you just didn't go to Philly. You know, your plan was to go to Philly instead of going to KC. You didn't want to deal with 15 degrees. I don't blame you on that. So I assume that you were here and didn't get a ticket. But no, you went to Philly and then couldn't get a ticket. This is a rarity for you. Normally, you get what you want when it comes to tickets. What happened? Uh, well, just it was the whole week I was debating. I've been to 15 of championship games. I love going to the AFC, NFC championship games. And to me, this is the best day of the year because of the four best teams playing. I've been seeing seven Steeler games, and they've been the most amazing, epic games. I mean, I remember flying in a plane from New York at Newark at 6 in the morning to play the Chargers. We're on the plane. People, Everyone on the plane who's going to see the Chargers are all Steeler fans. And they didn't even start the plane because people were chanting the Steeler fight songs, throwing footballs around. And they finally said, if you don't shut up, we're not going to take the plane out. People kept talking, talking, finally. I mean, this was pre-9-11. So they, they would let us fly out. It was crazy. People, I've never been on a plane where people are throwing footballs all around the plane the entire time. And I go over that. I love the Steeler games, even the Steelers have lost a lot of times in these championship games. So I love this. And uh, this was a tough week because I was deciding I really wanted to see Kansas City versus Cincinnati. I was hoping it was the Bills so we could go to Atlanta. Atlanta would be perfect. I had a... Uh, birthday party in Miami on Saturday. So it sort of messed the, everything up. But I got plane tickets to Kansas City, also plane tickets to <laughs> Philadelphia. And I was looking where the pricing was, how it was happening, looking at the temperatures, because it was like 50 degrees in Kansas City on Saturday. And then in like Philly, 10, yeah. no, in 50, you said. 50 yeah. on Saturday in Kansas City. Oh, okay, and then yeah, it yeah. dropped. So I was saying, well, maybe the weather forecast is wrong. So I'm looking at tickets. There's so many variables. Like if we had a computer analyzing all these things, where to go, how to go, all these things work. And then on Tuesday, we find out that tomorrow I'm going to go meet Larry Zonka. We had him on our show for an interview for his book. And actually, they're going a magazine's writing a whole story with our interview in it. And they're going to do a photo shoot. So I'm going to go to his house in Oak Hill. We're going to go up tomorrow. So I was afraid to go to Kansas City because I wouldn't be back because the weather, who knows? And I'd be, meet the chance, you know, miss the chance to meet Larry Zonka in person and spend mm -hmm. a couple hours with him. Don't want to miss that. So a lot of these factors. And I'm in Miami. At my, it was awesome. I went with my birthday party for my friend. We would go all the places place called uh, uh, Poppy Steak, which is popular. Everyone thinks it's crazy. And uh, you can order a steak in a, in a, it's like a, they bring in a chest of gold and it's like $1,000. <laughs> it's probably just a normal steak for $45. Yeah. They put a chest of gold. Everyone's going crazy. And the people at the table next to us was a bunch of TikTokers. They, that's what they do for a living. Ten TikTokers. Wow. They're in their early 20s. They all are spending a fortune on all at this place. And uh, the one guy's expertise is pickup lines for girls. And he has is 1.4 million followers on TikTok. So that is where the future of America Jeez. is at that table. That's where everybody's doing their professions wrong. You should be a TikToker and make <laughs> millions of dollars. So anyway, so then we're on a boat. It's a wonderful boat. You know, and I'm, I'm debating still like I'm checking the pricing and the pricing for the Philadelphia game seems really high. Like I'm like, I shouldn't go. I shouldn't go. 
And I just said, I'm not going to Kansas City. It's just not going to work out in terms of getting there and get off the boat. And I'm like, you know what? It's close. If I don't make the plane, everywhere all done with the whole party. So if I don't make the plane, I'm just not going to forget about it. But I, I, made, I made the plane. Remember when the Fort Lauderdale airport? I'm like, you know what? I'll go. We'll go up there. We'll see what's going to happen. And yeah, look, I've gone to the Final Four like this. I'm good. This is what I do. I went to World Series yeah. and everything. But it's not uncommon for you to show up with no tickets. Yeah, it's all the time. But the tickets, <laughs> I know. I noticed these tickets were bad. And I swear, in the beginning of the week, the pricing. We saw on Monday, the pricing was a little bit different, maybe just between the Kansas City game and the Philly game. But as it went up, it just went up higher. The spread was so much to the point where I got there on Saturday morning and it was like $100 to go to Kansas City for the game to get in and 1000 for the worst seat in Philadelphia. And I'm like, ah, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to say the worst seat. And like the good seats were like Super Bowl level type tickets. This is ludicrous. I call my brokers. Is this right? They're like, this is crazy. They've never seen a ticket like this in their life. It's awful. It's a, and I'm like, well, I'll wait for something to drop. Well, then there were price tickets out there and I kept going on the computer. Like, so I'm going to order the ticket, buy the ticket, and it won't go through. They said, tickets already been bought. I call my brokers. Like, same thing's happening. There's some problem with stuff of the ticket master. Who knows? Bots are going and buying these tickets. Some of these tickets are, they're not pulling off the sites. And considering the stadium seat's 70,000, you would think there's tickets. I mean, I've said I bought World Series, but it's like this, the Philadelphia fandom was insane. People were spending whatever it was. They were treating it like it was Super Bowl. It was at the point where it was the Super Bowl level. I mean, it was a point where it was like, my broker said, I can get you in for $2,000. I'm like, that's, no. I'm going to go sit. And the worst thing about it was it was perfect to fly to Philly because you fly to Philly. The airport is right next to the stadium. You could literally stay at a hotel right there. And then I go to this live, which is the big casino. So you're, the casino is just in walking distance, maybe a quarter of a mile or, you know, it takes 10 minutes to walk to the stadium. So I brought my computer. I'm working out there. Everything's ready to go. And I'm like, you know, what? once I get the ticket, I'm going to give it to the ballet, give my computer, everything, you know, put it to the ballet, walk in the stadium and uh, and then walk out. And then I can watch the next game. One of my problems has been this games is like last year was the Kansas City game and after the game was I couldn't watch the Rams game because there's no place around Kansas mm -hmm. City to go watch. I'm like this would be perfect. I'm going to go watch the Eagles game, walk out of the stadium go right into go right into the uh, casino and enjoy uh, watching watching the uh, Kansas City game. So that I thought was perfect plan but the tickets were just so high and then I'm like you know what I punted and then I was nervous you know you get nervous whether even you're getting electronic tickets going to be real or not and my broker was like bro two brokers said Ira just pass on this. This is a mess don't give it up. Don't. And I'm like, okay, I wasn't going to waste money. So I, everyone's criticizing me for it, but it just, it's, it just shows you that if you get there on, with the computer, now in the old days, if I'm running around the stadium, there's always someone willing to sell a ticket. I'm always well, be, be able to figure it. But with the computers, I'm not, there's nobody selling tickets. It's hard to meet people. It's hard to find tickets. To go, it's, it's hard to do anything to get those. And that's what made it difficult. And the prices did not drop. They only got more. Like everyone's like, oh, right before it, someone's going to sell. No, they only raised. Only going. It was absolutely insane for those ticket prices. And I just felt like, you know what? I'd rather spend the money on all these other great events I'm going to go to. I'm going to be at the NHL All-Star Game this weekend. I'm going to go to LeBron's breaking Kareem's record. I have other things to go to. I'm not throwing away on this game. Steelers were in it. I, I should have bought the ticket early in the week. That was the mistake. But I never thought the ticket prices were ever going to shoot up to the point where it was like 20 times more. Like to walk into Kansas City, the same championship game, big game, everything 20 a better times game more. In Kansas better City. game. So I sat at the casino in a lounge. The casino was, everyone's was going nuts. There was, everyone's decked out. It was a great sports book, everything. And I literally could sit there. The sports book is right within five feet of me. And I start betting the games little. I'm not a better. You know, I'm not a big <laughs> fancy football, but I'm betting. And I won like I won a plane from my plane trick tickets, which weren't that cheap on spirit and stuff were cheap. And then like my hotel room, I pay one a few hundred bucks, all just betting, betting the Chiefs and betting. I, you I said, hold everyone to bet 49ers. But when I saw Purdy was knocked out, then it's like it's over. So I just kept <laughs> betting the Eagles and then I won. So it was just fun to be in that atmosphere and see the Eagles fans. I got the sense of it. So I, as much as it was like my friends said, don't tell people you didn't get in. Don't pull. Yeah, I, when I was younger, I, I didn't get into the Bulls, played the Jazz in the not the final, the last shot series, but the year before that. I flew to Chicago and didn't get into that one. So I've been some games I haven't locked out because when you go like I do, but it just happened. But I'm not going to over. I never overspend for tickets. If I think this ticket is out of control, I don't. I never do that. Normally, you get great deals by, by being the hawk <laughs> that you are. It's crazy, though, because. That is typically the pattern. Right before the game, things are going to drop, but you said they just kept escalating, which they doesn't make sense. They kept escalating, and the ones that you saw when you saw some price drops you, that you clicked on the ticket, and there were four or five times where I click on the ticket, it's good, circle, circle, circle. Anyone who's by Ticketmaster knows that circle, circle, circle thing or stuff up, circle, circle. It's like, oh, ticket's unavailable, ticket's unavailable, sorry, ticket's unavailable. It was like nothing, and, and you couldn't see. And then there, one of my friends texted me this thing. They go, oh, look at this ticket, it's $300. I'm like, I tried to buy the ticket, it was like $700. Like, it's not there. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't, you click on it, it's not, it doesn't. So what you saw online isn't really.
really what it was. It was absolutely, and my bro, bro, look, the broker said they, it's by by a, by times. I mean, I've gone to San Francisco to see San Francisco uh, versus Green Bay. I've been at these humongous AFC championship games, NFC Patriots, all these places. Nothing was it. This is to the time ten of any other. As I said, twenty times more than Kansas City. Just not worth it. And the game wasn't great either. We'll it was talk horrendous. About that. It was one of the worst games ever. So I felt I felt like I I feel like I should have just gone in the cold and uh, Kansas City Cincinnati. But whatever. It was it was a disappointment. But uh, it was a story. It was a fun story. But it, again, the, the casino being there and be able to watch the games on the, about a million foot screen and sit there and be able that was a, and seeing the Eagle fans it gave me a perspective that I wouldn't have got if I just stayed here in West Palm Beach. And l- like we said, it, it wasn't a good game. We could talk about it now. But don't forget, follow Ira on social media at Ira on sports the sports book and everything looked fantastic so if you could see the video is right there at Ira on sports let's get into it NFC championship game in the books Philadelphia steamrolls San Francisco 31 to 7 and Ira here come these Philadelphia Eagles writers fans that just think that this team's unstoppable whereas us as unbiased fans look at a quarterback getting injured Mr. Irrelevant getting injured and then a gentleman who probably shouldn't even be in the league coming in after that and him getting injured too. This was really a strange game, a little bit of a mess. Philadelphia still won, and we can't take that away from them. It, it, it was again. I was at the sports book, so I'm talking to Philadelphia fans. I'm feeling. I listened to the radio afterwards. They're delusional. I mean, they <laughs> think they are the greatest. They are the best football team. The Miami Dolphins of '72. They would destroy a hundred thousand to nothing. Like they believe this is the greatest team of all time. Now they beat the Giants. And then they beat the 49ers without a quarterback. And and this is ridiculous. I mean, they are they are absolutely and if the team feeds off that, that's the one thing. I think they this is season has been so easy. It's been such a cruise. I just wonder if they get in a tight, tight game. And Kansas City's had these battles. They've had these tough things. I'm telling you, I just think, I, they, they, look, Philadelphia might be as good as they think they are, but their confidence, I've never seen a team this. No team has ever had more confidence. And the fans feed in. The fans are the ones who believe it. They believe it. They just talk about how there's like Kansas City is a speed bump on their way to their victory. This team is great. They were dissecting whether Jalen Hurts can sing well, the Fly Eagles fly song. Everyone says Fly Eagles fly. This this is unbelievable. And that's why the tickets, I think, were expensive. Remember, when I went to the World Series, I got lucky because it rained that first game. But after they won that second game, the tickets were really hard because everybody felt they wanted to be part of a winner. Then they got no hit that game. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, when, they, when, the, when the Sixers were doing well, everyone said, great. But when Trey Young and Ben Simmons, and they get, they turn, like, they turn on their own team. So it's like, really? it's like and this is a team that, like, 40 people say, well, Jalen Hurts is, you know, he'll never have to buy a drink in the town again. There, ever this. I'm like, well, Doug Peterson is a coaching at Jacksonville, and Nick Foles is in Indianapolis. Yeah. Right. And these are two guys five years ago. People were, were, you know, posters on the streets and everything about how great they are. So this team, this town is just, it's a tough town. Like if Jalen Hurts loses the Super Bowl, two years like, oh, we should replace him. He's not like, it's, <laughs> but it, it is that attitude. And I, I think going to the Super Bowl, that's one thing people have to realize. The, you are going to, if you have a friend who's an Eagles fan, you're going to say, you're driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, time to, it's time to taper it back a little bit. Play play a real team here, as opposed to the Giants, who should have been a five-win team and a team on their fifth-string quarterback. The game started off, Eagles came down the, the field pretty quickly, but we did. there was some controversy early with the Devonta Smith catch, and this was one I keep seeing today on social media, well, okay, take that touchdown away, it was 24-7. to But that could change the whole... Uh, you know, the whole outlook of the game, a big play like that, they get the ball back. Who knows what would happen after that? Well, after Smith dropped the ball, clearly he dropped it. But then the fact is that they go, went to the huddle and Kyle Shanahan. At that point, I agree with people say, in the first half, don't use your challenges, but maybe call the timeout, have the league reviewed. But you got to give the Eagles credit. They knew what was happening. Smith is a smart person. I mean, he's intelligent. He ran back, said, let's go run a play. It took 18 seconds to run a play. I mean, Dak Prescott, in the end of the games, can't run plays that fast. <laughs> so the fact is, they know how to run plays fast. They got it to the line, ran the play, and they didn't have time to review it and they score you know they scored a touchdown you know score you know scored a touchdown on there um but uh but then the next possession was that was the next possession was for the 49ers that was the game i mean brock purdy goes back and the 49ers decide to have a backup tight end block Hassan Reddick, who's at 16 and a half sacks and he comes in there and he smashes purdy out of like you know the uh, uh water boy you know sort of like <laughs> that thing and uh the, the movie and he tore now we find out that purdy has ulnar ruptured so now yeah. it's he might be out if they use tommy john surgery but then they bring in and this is something i'm going to have myself on the back give myself a ton of credit 
there was a talk two weeks ago about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said, could Jimmy Garoppolo come back for the championship game? And they're like, oh my God, they're not going to replace Purdy for Garoppolo. And my answer was, no, that was not the issue. The issue is that Purdy could get hurt, and you need Garoppolo to come in that game. And Garoppolo, I don't know, you know, uh, Patrick Holmes is hopping around on one leg. I, and Garoppolo said, oh, I'm almost back, almost back. You would think, why would you not dress Garoppolo instead of Johnson? And Garoppolo goes, I wish I had a helmet. Well, if you wish you had a helmet, you should have had a helmet out there. It makes no sense. And look at the Chiefs. They have Scott Chad. All these major quarterbacks have gone out. But if you look at the Chiefs, they have Chad Henney, who admirably came in, led the, a 90-yard drive. Gab Minshew of the Eagles. I know he lost those games, but he's a good quarterback. He's started He's one league. of the better backups in the league. Cooper Rush for Dallas. We saw how well he played this year. Even Brandon Allen for the Bengals has played well. Case Keenum for the Bills. Chase Daniel for the Chargers. I know I'm not saying these are, but these are quality backup quarterbacks. For the for the 49ers, not to have, to have Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson's been on 15 teams in 14 years. He is, I mean, they've now lost, well, of course, they lost uh, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy. He went to San Diego University, t- drafted at Tampa. He's only had nine starts in 15 years. He's one and eight, 13 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Just to go through his, his thing, Tampa Bay for three years, San Francisco. He played at the Sacramento Mountain Lions. I love that name because my Altoona <laughs> Mountain Lions my hometown. Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, 49ers, Bengals, Jets, Colts, Bills, Ravens, Giants. I mean, it's like Texans. We're not done yet. Raiders, Washington, a team called the San Diego Fleet. No I, idea. I, anyway, Detroit, this is 2019, Detroit Lions. How about the LA Wildcats? Very popular team there. <laughs> the 49ers, the Jets, and the Ravens. I mean, this is unbelievable. And he's what you have. He's this, your contingency plan. You spend $240 million. You put this team together and everything is on Josh Johnson. And that's what, and then so, of course he's not. That, that's when I started betting on the Eagles. Like, there's no way, Josh, I know Josh Johnson. There's no way. He was did not, he cannot be in that game. It could be an XFL game, let alone that type of game. And then I criticize, this is what I say about this game. I think the Eagles, they get the ball in the 44 after this whole thing happened. They run two runs, a five-yard and a punt. Then the 49ers get the ball back. What does Johnson do? Is sack, delay a game. You saw, that was, and then Eagles get on their 15. One first down, and and they punt it. And then that's the punt that Bosa got hurt on the punt, where it hits the, the, the line or not. And then, and then, uh, and then, the, 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 then the 49ers again, uh, they got a sack, delay a game, incomplete pass. But the Eagles get the ball back again and still can't move the ball. And, and that's where I'm like, you see a team that cannot do anything. They went three possessions. They literally went three possessions, got one first down on three possessions. Didn't, and they had six, 11, and minus four yards on three possessions. So everyone thinks the Eagles are so undefeatable and they're the greatest and they're phenomenal. You In the middle of a game when the other team is doing absolutely nothing. And then actually the 49ers get the ball on the 46, two passes. And then McCaffrey runs the ball in for a 23-yard touchdown to make it 7-7. And then the Eagles have a nice drive, eight minutes and a half, 14 plays, 75 yards, on fourth and one and 34, Hurts knocked for one. They had an incomplete pass on third and seven, but Jimmy Ward they called a, fa- a penalty on. And then they ran for a touchdown, make it 14-7. Now this is where Kyle Shanahan gets criticized because it's the end of the half, it's 14-7. He then hurries up with a minute to go and Johnson fumbles. But I'm telling you, Johnson would have fumbled anyway. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. So he fumbles the ball and uh, and, and he fumbles the ball and, and then Eagles get the ball and they run, score. Boston Scott runs it, makes it 21-7. And, and there's no doubt in my mind the game was over. The game was over when Purdy went out. The game, there's no other way. And that was just, it was a disaster. And then to start the second half, the 49ers had the ball, four possessions. They had 19 yards, zero yards, 28 and zero. They scored 47 yards the entire half. And then Johnson got injured on a cushion. And when it happened, he gets knocked down on a, on a sack. So he's on the ground, and you saw when he stood up, he sort of stuttered, and they cut away from it, like they didn't want to show that. Mm-hmm. But you knew that when you went from Tua, and we've learned from Tua and Bridgewater that if you if you stumble when you get up, they're going to take you out. And I'm like, they're going to take him out. What? So is McCaffrey going to be the quarterback? Kyle Yusek is going to be. He's getting ready to put the helmet. He's on. getting ready to, to put the helmet to put on. So they put Purdy in, who has a tor- ruptured now we know a, t- a ruptured ulnar nerve. He can't. Throw he was the saying ball. on the sideline to Shanahan, I cannot throw off the. I cannot throw the ball. And then, like, and the Eagles are excited. So, you know, when, so it's, like, unbelievable that the Eagles get the ball back. After this disaster, they go three and out again. Hurts throws two incompletions to A.J. Brown. And then 49ers have the ball. And the Eagles drive down, and they score and make it 28-7. And then it was just a total disaster at 31-7. But the fact is, people are, like, analyzing this game. Like, the 49ers had They couldn't do—you can't just have no quarterback. I'm not saying you—even Purdy was a very good quarterback in terms of his ability to run the offense. But you cannot have a quarterback that can't throw the ball and think you're going to beat the Eagles, especially when you're losing in the game. But like, if you look, analyze it, Hertz was 15 for 25 for 121 yards, one sack. He don't, last week he threw for 154 yards. That's less than what Burrow and Mahomes threw each. 
in, in, in one game yeah. in the, yesterday. In the last four games, he's had two touchdowns and three interceptions. And uh, A.J. Brown, four catches, 20 yards. His la- longest pass play was like 29 yards. And then, uh, and, but, you know, for the for 49ers, Johnson, seven for 13, 74 yards, two sacks, Purdy. I mean, the Eagles ran the ball, 148 yards. Wow. Like, I give them credit. You could tell, though, and, and that's what people are saying today, well, why couldn't they stop us? Because your defense, the San Francisco defense was on the field the entire game, especially in the second half. Of course they're exhausted. You could run the ball down their throat because you're three and outing in three seconds every time you get the ball. It's either Josh Johnson was getting a delayed game penalty <laughs> or he was getting sacked or they're getting what it was a disaster and it was embarrassing. That's why this game, I, people are breaking down what happened. Like a 49er fan, oh, our defense led it. Our defense, you were, the time of possession was 40 to 20. And it's just, you have an offense that doesn't have a quarterback at all. And I think that's where I bring up these other teams. You know, what I'm saying is that you, these other teams have, you saw this year. I mean, it's like when the Jets brought in their backups, it became a disaster with Flacco and whatever. The Finns, the Miami with Skylar Thompson. It's these backup quarterbacks are crucial, especially if you want to play and you're going to play in these big games. You got to expect. I mean, when Drew Bledsoe went out, Tom Brady was his backup. Now they didn't know it was so great, whatever. But that's these situations. If you're going to, you look at these teams that win these games. It's because a quarterback comes in, and the year the Giants won the Super Bowl. How about Phil Simms goes out and Jeff Frutledge comes in and leads the team to victory? You need to have these back. Now I know they're on their fourth string quarterback. It was a fifth string quarterback really at that point. But maybe there was. I mean, Josh Johnson was only brought on the team in January and in December. You could sign practice squad guys. There should have been some contingency plan behind Brock Purdy, especially when you have Super Bowl aspirations. A team that does it right is the Buffalo Bills. Last year, they had Mitch Trubisky in case something happened because they want to win a Super Bowl. And if Josh Allen goes down, we can't punt the season. This year, Case Keenum. They're making sure they have a guy who's started meaningful NFL games behind Josh Allen because we anticipate being in those late-season games. You have teams like Carolina that have three quarterbacks, Sam Darnell, Baker Mayfield. They're all competing for positions, a younger quarterback. But when you have these teams that are the teams that are like, you could win the Super Bowl, if you don't have a backup quarterback, then you you are risking this. And that's what I said about Jimmy G. Jimmy G, they should have done—he was— more important than anyone to get on that field because if there was an injury to Purdy and you know how great the Eagles defense is and I'm this was not like oh my god I can't believe Purdy got hurt considering he's the fourth quarterback and now Johnson to get hurt for the team against a ferocious defensive line against it like you got to have Jimmy G step in and, and I just think this whole thing was a disaster and I'm telling you I wonder if the 49ers after this game just say you know what we'll have everyone makes fun of Tom Brady he stays healthy Aaron Rodgers stays healthy I mean they've had one injury each that was their entire careers bring them there and like can you we please put a quarterback who's going to stay healthy for the whole season. Did you happen to see Quinn and Williams, the Jets defensive tackles, uh, deleted tweet? No. He tweeted to Joey Bosa during the game, see how I feel, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> he since deleted that one. But, yeah, no, they can, uh, he can feel your pain there. It's Ira on Sports, True Oldies channel, and Mike Balsamo. In about 10 minutes, we'll go to Scott Mayer. He's from the NHL's front office. Talk all about the fun happening in Sunrise and all throughout South Florida as the NHL All-Star game arrives. Let's go to the AFC and Ira, this game was much better. We anticipated it being really good with Mahomes versus Burrow. And what do you know? Came down to the wire. I just it came down to the wire. And uh, there's so much I want to talk about this game on, on, on two levels. First of all, I thought I felt I wish Mahomes was health healthy. He pulled out the victory, and the Chiefs did. But they had the Bengals on the ropes, like they've had those other three games, and they couldn't. I'm so frustrated when they have the chance to go two scores up on them, and they can't do it. I was rooting for Kansas City, so I was rooting for the, the, the inability to do that. On the other hand, this narrative that the Bengals were completely robbed this entire game is ridiculous. There was holding calls on the Chiefs. I don't. I, I went through the thing. I watched again the game today. I don't see this whole robbery. And the last penalty, I, I've argued with this time and time again. When Hones runs out of bounds, he was two feet out of bounds. He was past the 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 the, the tarp that they have where the players stand. And his eye came in and pushed him against. And, and he's injured. The the Bengal defensive lineman gets injured himself. And you see him. He's lying. He crashed down because he pushed him. He pushed Mahomes in. In college football, I've seen players ejected for that play. Mm-hmm. So to say that they should not call a penalty on that is ludicrous. To know a ludicrous, it's ridiculous. I think Bengals fans, and they don't realize, remember, early in the game, the Chiefs had a touchdown that was called back on a holding. They're like, oh, they didn't call holding. They called a holding on the Chiefs on Pacheco's touchdown. They called it back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I'm not saying this is this, and maybe the officiating was wrong, but I, for the Bengals to say we would have won this game, look, they had the ball with a minute and a half to go and two timeouts, and it was tied. You didn't win. And yeah. that's it. You know, Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow is as great as you think, and I love Joe Burrow, and I think he's phenomenal, but don't blame everything. Just say you had the ball and you didn't win. No, it, it's absolutely correct. And on the o- Osai penalty, this could have been a punt returner. If this happened to him, it would have been a penalty. This was a 
quarterback. You don't think you're going to get called for this? It could have been a defensive back running back an interception. If you push somebody who's clearly out of bounds like that, it's a penalty, let alone the best quarterback on the planet. Push. It wasn't like an accidental. He clearly was running in, and he shoved him into Mahomes. You thought Mahomes broke his ankle, other ankle running at that because Osai <laughs> is lying on the ground in pain. You could hear him when he got hit. He's screaming because they ran into that. It's like a wrestling move. You know, This <laughs> looked like WWE wrestling when they threw in the turnbuckle and someone took the pads off and then they fly out of the ring and they're on the... It was crazy. But I just, that's my... My thing is, I'm sick of the Bengal. Look, I don't. I'm not a Bengal fan, a Steeler fan. You can't be. But they. But for the Bengals to say we lost this game because of officiating, they you got you got calls too, and that last call Burrow was had fine. two possessions in the in the fourth quarter. Didn't get any points. So that, that's what it still comes down to. If he's the next iteration of Joe Montana, which I heard a lot of this past week. You didn't get any points, in, you know, when you had the ball twice in the fourth quarter. And you have the Chiefs with Mahomes, who's limping around on one leg. I mean, who did not have the mobility, and they, he lost all his wide receivers. Now I know you have Scanling and you have Kelsey. You still have something, but they couldn't run the ball. He has thrown to wide receivers, and they're they're playing after they lost Snead. People forget they lost Laverius Snead, who was their top corner, so yeah. he's out of the game. And they're starting. They have four rookies that are playing significant amount of time on defense. I got to give the Chiefs a lot of credit for that. They played great, and uh, you know what, Cincinnati, if you if you're so upset about it, then get home field next year. Play it, play it, play in Cincinnati. Don't go, don't play. Everyone's complaining about everybody's complaining about Kansas City uh, playing at home all the time. It's, it's not like the league puts them, gives them the yeah, game. They it's earn not random. the right because they win the regular season games. It's so weird. They have that. They used to not have it. Remember the Steelers in the old days, they would assign it, but no, they earn the right. So don't complain about Kansas City getting the home when you can't get home field advantage. So we got about five minutes till we get from Scott Mayer from the NHL. Tell us the tale of this game here, I. I just think the beginning of the game, everyone, we, we've talked about this. Burrow, who was, it seemed like with three offensive linemen and the Bills couldn't make any move at all. We thought, I said in this game, the Chiefs are going to get to them. Fred Clark, sack, punt, and then the, and the Kids City goes down. And uh, that's where they, they were third and five, but they, they used a challenge on a Tony touchdown where he challenged it, thought it was a touchdown, but it wasn't. It's the same sort of thing like the last game. And, and I won on the bet. I said the field goal, the Kids City field goal. So, that, that I, so I, I put Ira Betting wins here. Yeah. And then, and then Bengals get the ball, a sack again from Gay and Clark, and then Chris Jones had a sack. So now three sacks, and these fourth and 24 Chiefs go down again. And uh, real nice drive. That's where Kelsey does that hook and ladder, which we've talked about where we think teams should be doing that. And Pacheco had a touchdown, nullified by holding, saying that it was 6 nothing. And you said, you texted me, he's like, got to score touchdowns. Not yeah. a guy. I'm like, they're controlling this game, though. And then Bengals go down, and that's where it was a third and 14. Burrow threw best pass of the game to Boyd, 16 yards. and uh, But then he threw the touchdown pass to Hurst. Hurst dropped a touchdown there. So it was 6-3. And then Chiefs had a nice drive. They, that was on 4th and 1 on the 14. Mahomes to Kelsey. They went on 4th and 1 on the 14. You know, gutsy play, gutsy call, score that touchdown. So it's 13-3. And at this point, I'm like, okay, they're going to win. <laughs> and, then, and then the Bengals, 3rd and 2, they threw the interception. So Burrow, oh, jo- you know, Josh Allen throws this ball. No one else does. He's the only one who throws interception. But Burrow throws the interception. Great play by Watson. It's the first interception in 122 postseason passes. And I thought this was key. This is like, end the game. You're up 13 Three, make it twenty to three. But you know, Mahomes threw three incompletions. This could win, it could have ended. And then the Bengals drive down and they score a field goal at the end. People think, oh, they left some time on the clock. Da da da. They could have done it. Made it thirteen six at halftime. The only thing that hurt me is I kept betting the Chiefs and that sort of. I wanted I wanted the game to be a little closer so that I would win uh, more you know, money. <laughs> well, you, the odds would be better because yeah. I wanted to bet the Chiefs in the second half hard. So then. And then the Chiefs don't do anything in the first drive of the second half. And then the Chiefs finally, uh, you know, the Bengals score, make it 13-13 on Burrow when he made a great run and then passed to Higgins. The Chiefs, they finally got that drive. And that's the first down to Hardman, third and four to Hardman. And then they Mahomes to Scanlon. And they made it 20-13, Bengals three and out and punt. So now this is the chances. And near the end of the third quarter, when what does Mahomes do? Like they're going down to score, and Mahomes fumbles the ball. That was one of the worst fumbles. And I look, I love Mahomes. I think he's great. That was terrible. It was inexcusable. It was just unbelievable. You were saying how only Josh Allen gets and knocked for for if that turnovers. was Josh Allen's, you would say Josh Allen is worse than Buddy Brister or someone like that. I mean, that was <laughs> terrible. The Bengals go and they fourth and six in the forty-one. Big pass to Chase. Perrine runs in for a touchdown that made it 20-20 with 13-20-30 left the game. But they could have made it rent. The Chiefs. 
Chiefs go down, they're up two touchdowns, probably have this game in control. And then after that, how about no scoring? Chiefs had the ball. They had uh, th- that was the whole weird play about where they had the ball. They the refs ran in and stopped it. But I, we've seen that. You know, everyone's saying this is crazy. I've seen this enough here where they run in and they run the play, but really the play was dead. You saw the refs at one play where they run in like knock the ball off, whatever. So I didn't think that big thing. But then fourth and nine on the KC forty, they decide to punt. Uh, the Bengals get the ball, and then Burrow throws another interception. So a second interception for the game. So seven minutes left in the game. The Chiefs have the ball, and uh, third and twelve on the same four. You know they go, they drive down there, and I I was shocked. It was fourth and eight on the thirty-seven. What a tough call. I thought they go for it. Like they punt it. They yeah. actually, you know, that was crazy that they go, they go, they they punted the ball there, and uh, and then the Bengals. This was their drive to win. You know, they got the ball in their six, two thirty left. Burrow to Higgins ten yards. They got intentional grounding, but then Burrow threw to Hurst for twenty three yards. When he threw that to Hurst, I'm like, they're winning. Like all they need is a field goal. They're yeah. gonna win again by three. They won three games in a row by three. First and ten at the thirty three with a minute to go. Two yard pass, incomplete pass, and then Chris Jones comes in with a sack of all sacks to come in and sack them, make it fourth and fifteen, forcing them to punt. But at least you're thinking, okay, you're still going to go to overtime, but they let Sky Moore return the punt, 23 yards. That punt return was huge. That was huge. Take it to 50, Pacheco runs, and then Mahomes runs out of bounds and gets pushed, and that sets up for Buckner for the field goal. And it was just like, but again, Burrow had that ball. Like, again, I just think that if you are Joe Burrow, you got it. Like, don't blame. Just say, look, we couldn't get it done, and our offensive lines could not block Chris Jones when we needed to block it. That was the thing. Ira, the NFL gets a lot right. A lot right. But one thing that me and you think is just crazy is that they're not splitting these games up and playing one championship game on Saturday and one on Sunday. It doesn't make sense to me. It would have been better. First of all, I could if you go to both, but that would be cool. But no, the <laughs> thing is that, no, I do. I think the games, I think you're, you're, you watch the first game. Now, this first game is terrible. But I, if you had the games back to, it, like, I, to me, I think you need to let the games breathe. Like, that first game should not, you should talk, you know, I think it would be great just to have one on Saturday night, one on Sunday night perfect put at the same time i just i don't like the back i think these games are so important why not make it this whole weekend uh, of this because now really now we're the super bowl one game but i think it'd be cool to have it but uh i just think again burrow we this offensive line in the super bowl the same thing five sacks he threw one touchdown two interceptions mahones two touchdowns the throws Vada scanning came up big kelsey seven catches 70 yards and a touchdown both teams could not run the ball at all and uh, but in the end, they you know, the Kansas, Kansas City had 357 yards uh, since the 309, way more than what Philadelphia had in their game. Uh, I think you, if you're Cincinnati, you're, you, they, this is this is what I thought would happen. Excuses, like it's all excuses. You know, it's it's the it's the refs, it's this, it's this, it's that. You know, whereas I write, gave excuses for Buffalo, and no one says you can't have excuses. <laughs> you can't have any excuses. But um, we'll see. I I that's just. I, I felt it was a, it was a it was very entertaining game. It surely was. We've got like a minute, so we need to get to Steve Mayer from the NHL. Would you like to talk about uh, the Heat game you were at uh, last week? Oh yeah, well, it was it was exciting. I, I, it was Celtics and Heat. Of course, it's standard for the NBA. No Jason Brown, no Marcus Smart, no Michael Brogman, no Al Horford, and the Heat <laughs> have no bother. It's like you decide which players you're going to sit out. You decide which players. Like tonight, the Laker the Lakers play. No Anthony Davis, no LeBron. Uh, just you know, it's it's amazing. But Jason Tatum played great for three quarters, and then in that fourth quarter it was an absolute disaster. And Tyler Hero and Lowry and Martin and Vincent were like one for seven, one for five, four for nineteen. But Bam Adebayo had I think the best game I've ever seen Bam play. Thirty points. 15 rebounds was dominant the score was tied and they, they they were down 10 they tie it up he hits a two-pointer to take the lead and tatum couldn't score at the end and highsmith came in and drained three three four threes in the game but uh i loved it i perfect seats i like sitting above the uh entranceways because you don't have to have you're like 11 rows up and when the players run in and you can just see you have no one blocking your view because i hate when people stand up in front of me so it's like this that was where i got lucky on a seat i probably paid <laughs> anything for this my favorite favorite seat of all time at uh, it was my first game this year for the heat so i was excited for that you've been busy yeah elsewhere though uh, let's go to steve meyer it's iron sports this is Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Let's bring in Steve Mayer. He's the NHL's chief content officer and head of events. Perfect guest to be speaking to because we've got this week's upcoming Honda NHL All-Star Weekend right here at FLA Live Arena in Sunrise. Steve, I know you must be super busy right now, so thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Ira on Sports. Oh, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we're thrilled to be hosting this event, and I just wanted to know, what thought and planning went into bringing the All-Star Weekend to South Florida? I mean, to me, Florida in February is a perfect fit for everyone. Well, uh, we've been actually planning this for years. And when I say that, um, I, I really mean it. Uh, we 
we were thinking of doing an all-star in one of the pandemic years. Um, you know, and, and remember, we, we lost our all-star uh, one year. And then the next year, we, we last year, we went to Vegas. But we actually went to Vegas only because our friends in Florida had asked us to punt for a year. <laughs> so when you kind of look at this, you know, we've been in the planning for this for close to three years. Uh, we love it here. Uh, I think it's the backdrop for what will be a great All-Star weekend. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe the the attendance, the interest. Well, I can believe. I, I mean, it's 80 degrees and sunny, guys. This is incredible. <laughs> um, so I, I do think we're going to have an audience that, you know, that, that will appreciate where they are. And, you know, come on. This is the beautiful backdrop for a celebration of hockey and, and we're really looking forward to it. You know, Steve, I have to commend the NHL's non-rigidness when it comes to innovation. A lot of sports stay in their lane. They do the same thing every year. You guys brought on the Winter Classic years ago, and that's a massive success. You guys are always willing to tinker with the All-Star Weekend as well, but whether it be the format or the, or the events you're doing. So I have to commend you on that. Well, thank you. Uh, and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that not only you guys, but our fans take notice. Uh, yeah, we're, we're never satisfied with doing the same old, same old, uh, you know, and we always are looking to make whatever we did the, the past year better, um, you know, and, and, we, and we take that to heart. And we also want to take advantage of where we are. Um, every city is unique. Every backdrop is different. And I feel like that's a challenge, and it does help to make things feel and look different. Um, you know, doing a few events now outside of the arena um, helps us get creative and also helps us bring in the local environment, doing things around Florida, taking advantage of the ocean and the sand, taking advantage of golf courses, you know, things that are very Florida. You know, if we're in Buffalo, we'll do something that, that leans into Buffalo. Last year, we, of course, did things in Las Vegas. So, you know, I really do appreciate that you guys take notice. You know, we're never trying to rest on our laurels. We're always trying to make things better. And not only outside the arena with our new events, but inside the arena, we've got a brand-new goalie event this year. We've tweaked some of the other events to make them more bracket-friendly than just a bunch of guys going for the best time. Again, trying to just add to the storyline, the drama, make it a little more interesting. We're speaking with Steve Mayer. This is Ira on Sports. He's the NHL's chief content officer, head of events, getting excited about the Honda NHL All-Star Weekend. It's right here in Sunrise at FLA Live Arena. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this isn't just the All-Star Game and skills competition. You've got events all week. Uh, do you maybe want to talk about some of those, like the Truly Hard Seltzer NHL All-Star Beach Festival? Well, I'll I tell you, I had a chance yesterday to walk the whole beach and to get a preview from our head of the event, Nick Generelli. And I'm going to tell you, it is going to be spectacular. I mean, we've done a lot of these fan festivals at All-Star. We usually do them in convention centers and, and in a lot more normal areas. I mean, to be able to do it here on Fort Lauderdale Beach what, what an incredible setting. I mean, the layout is spectacular. I couldn't even believe the size of what we're doing. Um, it really is. You, want, you look at it on paper, and then you see it in real life, and you go, wow. And, and for hockey fans, what, what a great celebration of the sport. Um, everything from the Stanley Cup trophy that will be there to all our trophies. To, to chances to take a stick and put it in your hand and shoot pucks, to food and beverage. You know, yes, truly hard seltzer will be featured, but you can drink, you can eat, you can have a great time. Um, I think it's spectacular for families. It, it really is a cool event, and I love the fact that we're doing it on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. Again, it, this area gives us the opportunity to be unique, to be different, and, you know, we feel great about it. And, you know, yesterday I, I felt great about it. Just walking the whole beach and wa walking where we're going to do this event made me feel great. 
Yeah, Ira and I know as well as anybody, the best place in the country to throw a party is in South Florida, especially in the winter months. But Steve, I'm glad you brought up the fans. You know, South Florida's really developed an awesome hockey culture. 10 or 15 years ago, people outside Florida were wanting the Panthers relocated, but they've built up a rabid fan base here. If you tried to move the Panthers now, I think there'd be riots at FLA, FLA Live Arena. This state and area has really embraced hockey. Well, first of all, we don't want riots. We, we are, uh, no, I, listen, I, I hear it in your voice. I, you know, everybody is, I, I, I should say everybody, but many people are from other places in the country. Their love of hockey came to Florida. And then the, the people that are born and raised here, they just took a love to the team. Um, you know, and, and I, we see this everywhere. I mean, Tampa, Nashville, Carolina, Dallas, places that never really had hockey now love hockey, and, and we see it here. Uh, this is a great, great market for, for our game. Um, you know, I think the Viola organization has done a great job. Um, yeah, and, and we're happy that there are, you know, co-hosts for this. Yeah, the NHL comes to town, but this is really a showcase for the Panthers and all that they've done in this community. Um, you know, and going back, the fans are so obviously important. We also realize that not every fan can get a ticket to the All-Star game. I mean, it's a special game. Um, you know, tickets are hard to come by. And that's why we do the, the Truly Hard Seltzer Beach Festival. That's why we do a, a red carpet that's open to the fans. That's why we try to do uh, events throughout the community that have – all-star tied to them you know want to give people who don't have the fortune to get a ticket the ability to taste the all-star game and get a feel for it and maybe get to see a player or two or ten so you know we appreciate the fans here they love their hockey and you know we're honored that you know we're here and we're able to be accepted by you know this fan base that loves their hockey and loves their panthers well, you you know what, Steve? It's interesting. I was um, I was going to college in Nashville when the Predators were brought in there and watched them grow. Um, and I think what you said about it taking off in cities that maybe didn't have a hockey background. I think part of the reason might be because you guys really embrace kids and you really embrace families. You do a way better job of that than any of the other major sports. I've got a very young son, and I can't wait for a year or two when I can start taking him to, to hockey games because he's just going to be blown away by the, the fun and the atmosphere that comes for, for young people at hockey. You know, we, we say this all the time that, uh, you know, if we can get everyone to a game, they're hooked for life. Yes. I, I mean... It's, it's amazing, and, and we'll be the first one to admit, it's, it's challenging on television. We're getting better and better. The cameras are, you know, now going to 4K, 5K. I, I think that's going to help our game, uh, but I do think going to a game is, is an extremely amazing experience, and that's what we want to do. The more we can get families to go to the games, we have an affordable ticket, you know, the more we're going to bring in the younger kids, that's what we're focused in. Let's face it, they're the next generation of hockey fans, and we want to do more and more for them, and we want to make it fun. Like, we have a great sport, a fun sport. And by the way, you don't have to get on skates and get on the ice to play the sport. You play the sport, and you're going to see it in our, in our beach festival. You, you can play the sport... On, on synthetic ice, on blacktop, it doesn't matter. A stick, a ball, you know, we love the game. It's an amazing game, and you can learn it at all different levels, and the kids are so important to the NHL. You know, Steve, I've been, this is Ira, I've been to, in the past, I guess, few months, I've been to Tampa, been to uh, Anaheim, uh, the LA Kings Arena, Staples, Crypto, whatever they call it, certainly here. Um, the passion, especially when you go to a place like Anaheim, they, are, you walk in there, everybody is wearing a jersey, it's a very young crowd, the enthusiasm, and everybody's watching the game and into the game. I go to tons of NBA games, you don't get that, you don't get that sense. Nobody, you know, everyone wants to be too cool, they're not wearing the jerseys, they're you know, walking around, there's nobody when 
when they come back for after halftime, nobody's in the seats. I just love the passion that the fans have. And these are fans that uh, didn't grow up because their grandparents were fans and the great, you know, they were fathers told them to go. But these are new, you know, in Tampa and here. That's what I like about it. No, I listen, uh, and I'm happy you're making the tour, Ira. That's fantastic. <laughs> we can help you out at all, get you into some of these arenas. I love it. But listen, in the end of the day, um, you're right, um, and I'm always amazed. Like you walk into arenas, we do an outdoor game, and we just did one in Fenway Park. I mean, it was incredible. I, I I'm telling you, if you didn't have a jersey on, and this is in by the way, 30 degrees. So you're wearing also a jersey to stay a little warm. But if you don't, if you don't have a jersey on, you are in the minority in that building. I mean, it, it's something that our fans like to represent. They're really proud to be a Bruins fan, a Penguins fan, a Panthers fan, a, a Ducks fan. They they love the, to say that you know I'm a hockey guy and or a girl. And I'll tell you that's the other thing. The women. That our fans, it's incredible, better than any other sport where we have women fans as well as men's fans. And, you know, we're, we're trying, whether it's in our content, our events, everything that we do, we're trying to cater to everyone. We have very accessible players, accessible teams. We do a lot of behind-the-scenes content. We think that our players are very great in front of cameras and want to show off their personality, but they're also pretty normal uh you know in the end of the day you know we don't have a lot of seven foot five guys we don't have 400 pound offensive linemen you know everybody is pretty normal looking in terms of their height and their weight very approachable likable and we probably you know take advantage of that every chance we get and i think that that is something that our fans identify with and it only helps the fandom um, you know, we see that in a lot of places. We hear from our fans. We listen. We listen to what they have to say and how they want to make our game better. But, you know, I, I think they're proud to wear the jersey, whether it's to a game or just out. They, they like to represent. And just to double up on that, like I said, Anaheim, I noticed the players, I was right on the glass, and the players would like smile at the kids, joke around a little bit. You know, not, you know they're serious in the game, but I think that was good. They, they're always throwing stuff, you know, gloves or whatever, not really sticks, but I think all that aspect. And then you don't have to worry about like what the NBA, and of course, you're talking one of the biggest NBA fans alive, but the idea is that you're going to a game and you're going to see stars. If they're hurt, they might not play, but, but they're generally, there's no load management in the NHL. And I think that's really a benefit because these, you know, that's what makes that sport so exciting. Yeah, our, our guys play hard. And uh, by the way, Ira, you're not even going to games. You're getting great seats. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is very impressive. Um, yeah, I, listen, our our guys, they love to play. They are passionate. They work really hard. It, it means a lot. You know, we we have a a trophy that um, represents our sports family cup. And I, I, I'll tell you, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, forget money that these players make. They just want to win the cup. And it's really true. Like, they will do anything to put their name on the Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, that just shows that they go hard. I Listen, I'm not commenting about other sports, but I, I, I can comment on ours to say that, you know, this player base, they they don't take a night off, and as you see, if they're hurt, they play through pain. They're they're just so into you know winning, and and so deflated when they lose. I mean, you go into a losing locker room in the NHL, and it's like a morgue. I mean, they are, and this is in the middle of February. I mean, they take it really hard. And, you know, I, I think that's what's so cool about our sport, about our players. And, you know, I, I'm just so excited that, you know, again, you guys as fans take note of that. And we appreciate that. And, listen, the best of the best are here in Florida this week. I mean, you know, these guys who make the all-star team, it's, it's a lot of work to get here. And they really appreciate 
the fact that they're on this team and they're coming to Florida, it, it's very meaningful in our sport. And then also about the in-game experience, I, I just noticed, I love going to sporting events early, seeing the players warm up. What's better than hockey warm There's nothing. I mean, that's where they're you know going at the goalie and the lights and the action, just in the warmth, which is exciting. And the other thing I want to bring up is on the outside. Now, at Sunrise, they don't have it as much. But when you go to Tampa, all around Amelie Arena, there is like, it's a party. It's a fan fest. I know it's for the for the NHL finals, but Stanley Cup finals. But still, I was at Anaheim, and they have an outside area. And it's something that it's like, it's become comes this whole let's get there early let's go do something for the kids let's do events it's all a lot of fun there's bands there's everything i think that's what makes so, so much different than a lot of other sports yeah i mean we take pride in that we're actually um right from here going to carolina we're doing an outdoor game uh you want an outdoor experience before a game go to carolina um tailgate everywhere party activations everywhere it's a it's definitely part of what they do and um and you know again we're uh you know we're gonna play into that just like in the offer game we're playing into you know what florida has to offer we're gonna do that in carolina as well you know with all the colleges nearby and that that attitude towards hockey yeah again you know listen we want to make these experiences for a fan a bit different and you want to you know do as many times as possible things that make fans go wow that was fun i want to go back and i i think we do that in so many of our arenas it's a show you know we really tell our game presentation folks that are around the league that you're here to entertain you're here to put on a show you know we we had a a lucky break in, in, in a weird way with Vegas joining our league. And Vegas just felt like they had to compete with all the shows that were in town. Yeah. And they had to do something equal. And what it actually did was it motivated the rest of the league to up their game. And so, you know, I'll put our game presentation in, in the NHL up against any sport. Um, it's something, again, we take a lot of pride in and we work very hard to make it better and you know we want to give the fans just more of an experience than just the game the game is great you know and it stands on its own but when you go into an arena and every time you look around you see something a little different and you're you're really turned on by the mood the energy these are the kind of things that i think in the end of the day separate us and make fans wanting to come back for more we're speaking with steve Mayor, he's the NHL's chief content officer, head of events. We're getting excited this week's upcoming N- uh, Honda NHL All-Star Weekend. It's right here at FLA Live in Sunrise. Uh, Steve, before we let you go, so I was 11 in 1994, living in New York. Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Hockey fan for life. That hooked me. Ira's been a Pittsburgh Penguins fan his whole life. And about five years ago, Ira wanted to get more involved in hockey. So I told him, watch an Edmonton Oilers game. And tell me what you think of this kid, Connor McDavid. You don't even have to see his jersey to know who I'm talking about. So Ira gets back to me and he's like, this kid's playing a different sport. It's like He's like a video game character. I just wanted to know your thoughts on Connor McDavid and what he brings to the sport, whether it be from you know, a marketing standpoint or just his skill set and what he does night in and night out. He's incredible. And, uh, you know, he... He right now is doing things that are you know, really unbelievable. If you if you play out his stats for the rest of this year, you know he, he's going to have one of, if not the greatest season ever. And you're talking about a sport that has, in terms of stats and obviously greatness, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, if you look at Gretzky's stats, they'll just blow you away. And Gretzky played in the WHA, so he, he didn't play his whole career in the NHL. Connor McDavid is, is heading in that direction, but he does it in such spectacular fashion. You know, we've had a lot of conversations with our new broadcast networks, both at ESPN and at Turner, you know, about Connor and, and how do we, you know, make him much more visible to to you guys and to others, because it, what's going on in Edmonton is pretty spectacular. 
And that guy can play, and you, you said it. He is. He's a video game character. He, he's that player. Um, yeah, he's here. You know, he might be even listening to this. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening. you got to put on a show in the All-Star game. He, he is He's quite spectacular. I, but here's an example of a guy who'd rather win than score goals. You know, and, and he's obsessed with that. And, you know, that tells you a little about our sport. It's not about the individual. It's about the team. Um, although, in this case, the individual is one of, if not the greatest of all time. Steve, it's crazy. You go to a, a Florida Panthers game here. They're playing Columbus, and there's a dozen <laughs> Connor McDavid jerseys walking around. It's just what what he's done for the sport is fantastic, and, and what you're doing, uh, you know, bringing this event here to Sunrise for all of us to enjoy and people from around the country to see the uh, hockey hockey spirit that we brought to South Florida. Just want to thank you so much for putting this together, Steve Mayer. He's the NHL's chief content officer, head of events. Appreciate you coming on. I run sports. What a real pleasure. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation, and we hope that all the fans that are listening have a great time this week. Uh, we're here to do just that, give everybody a, a fun time, a great time, and a memorable weekend, and we're just happy that uh, we were able to bring the All-Star game to Florida. Connor McDavid's definitely listening to this show right now. So, Connor, the little shout-out here from Mike and Ira. Um, let's change gear. Australian Open's in the books, and, you know, Steve was just talking about the great one. Novak Djokovic might be making a case for being the great one of tennis. Well, he's won his 22nd major. Um, this is Remember, this is the Australian Open where he was in band last year from playing because his vaccination status wasn't able to play. He's tied now the doll at 22. He beat Tsitsipas from Greece, who actually the largest Greek population outside of Greece is in Melbourne. So it was like had a lot of fans there. Um, I thought that it was I got up at 3.30 in the morning. I missed part of the first set and that was before <laughs> the championship in, yeah. game no it was and uh and it was it was it was it was a tough i mean it was six three it went seven six seven six and those second and third sets were tough and Tsitsipas played very very well but joe back Djokovic is just tremendous americans have to be happy tommy paul and ben shelton were both in the quarterfinals paul beat shelton shelton's from florida university paul beats him and then paul played Djokovic. Djokovic beat paul to go into the finals and so i was impressed with that of course sebastian Corda made it to the quarters he lost to Karen Krochnov, but uh, it was for American men to have three in the, was, in the quarters was the first time it was in like 20-some years. Big win for Djokovic. And on the women's side, uh, Pagula ended up playing not a good week for the Buffalo. She got was got beat handily by Azarenka in the quarters wasn't able to make the final. And then Sabalenka uh, from Belarus beat uh, uh, Kina. Uh, in the and Sabalenka is very popular. You can so she's she hits the ball super hard. Both of these players, I mean, they're like Serena Venus. They pound the ball. At one point, they're saying that their forehands were equal to like the men's forehands. So, uh, but from Djokovic's perspective, 22nd major, he now ties with Nadal. Federer has 20. It's just simply amazing. And it looks like Djokovic sets up to win. French is next. If Nadal can't play well, if he's injured with his injuries, French, then Wimbledon, Australian Open. Who knows how many more majors he can win? What happened uh, in Dubai? because there was a lot of controversy surrounding Patrick Reed and Roy McIlroy. Uh, golf has got to do live versus PGA. Forget about everything. They, yeah. they, this is this is amazing, the fact that Patrick Reed goes over to Roy McIlroy and throws a tee and at, at, goes to talk to him. Roy will not talk to Patrick Reed at all because he said he was served a subpoena on Christmas. He's got pending litigation. <laughs> pending litigation. <laughs> so Reed then throws a tee and then they make this big thing about him throwing a tee at Rory and then they almost were paired to the finals. Rory ends up winning in it. Winning it. But the people were saying, wait, why is Rory in Dubai? I thought everything over there was wrong. I think playing in the Middle East was the was it wrong. So it's, it's just that the narrative was crazy when they have a PGA tournament called the Farmers. So like the point is they don't want, the PGA said we don't want our golfers not playing PGA tour events, but Rory, their biggest star, is playing in Dubai in a tournament. And that's what the Liv is saying. Why can't we have Liv tournaments? And that was an issue because the Farmers, Max Homa wins, second win of the year, sixth over. I mean, Max Homa was on fire, really playing great. And, uh, and Ricky Fowler, 11th place. I mean, he went back to Butch Harmon and starting to get some good finishes. He was 11th place, five under par, and John Rahm, who was gearing to win his third major, he, third tournament in a row, finished seventh, but still Rahm is playing great. Uh, Ira, what are you up to this week? Because it's a busy one. 
NHL, hopefully, look, I'm going to meet Larry Zonka tomorrow, which is going to be so awesome to go up and to spend a couple hours with Larry Zonka. Cannot wait for that. We're going to try to get something with the NHL All-Star Game, get some interviews on Thursday. For Saturday, I'm going to go to the All-Star Game. Uh, next week, Tuesday, going to see LeBron at Oklahoma, against Oklahoma City, see if he's going to break Kareem's record. Uh, a lot going on. And one thing is, we did, I'm going to, I shouldn't say this, but I'm so excited. We interviewed Dwight Gooden, Doc Gooden, the yeah. other day. And we're going to air this interview, and it is Awesome. It is one of my best interviews. Anyone who's a big fan of Dwight Gooden, I mean, it was when you give an interview and he says, I've never told this to anyone else before, and he tells that, and it's one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen, and I can't wait to air this interview. We're trying to figure out what's the best date to air it, but I was excited by that. So it I was just, fantastic. I, I just want to tease that a little bit, but, you know, it's like non-timely because we're just talking, you know, we're not in baseball, but just to go over his career, go over the Hall of Fame, go over everything. I loved it, and he was so gracious. He was going to come on for like 15 minutes and stay, what, 40 with us? Yeah. Tremendous. Really Really a great guy. We are out of time. Thanks so much to Steve Mayer of the NHL. He's Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.